you're listening to the My Care Champion Cast. I'm your host, Lucy Shimatero of the Michigan Health and Hospital Association. Each month, we invite industry experts and thought leaders to discuss relevant healthcare issues. Join us as we explore key topics that affect Michigan hospitals, health systems, and the health of our communities. Hello, and welcome to the My Care Champion Cast. I'm your host, Lucy Shimatero, Assistant Director of Communications at the MHA. In last month's episode, we got a look at working inside one of Michigan's rural hospitals. Today, we'll take a look at the positive impact that rural hospitals have on their communities. We have a very special guest in the studio, Helen Johnson, who is president of Sparrow Eaton Hospital in Charlotte, Michigan. Helen earned her bachelor's degree in nursing from Northern Michigan University and her master's in nursing administration from the University of Phoenix. I won't give away too much of her story, but she began her healthcare career as an oncology nurse in Marquette and has more than 30 years of leadership experience. Helen has received many accolades and awards, a couple of which came from the MHA, including the 2018 Healthcare Leadership Award and the 2017 Ludwig Community Benefit Award. I'd also be remiss not to mention that this is Helen's second year as chair of the MHA Small and Rural Hospital Council. So without further ado, Helen, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Lucy. My pleasure to be here today. We're so happy to have you. I had the pleasure of meeting you last year at our MHA Rural Advocacy Day event. Um, so I know a little bit of your story, but is, if you don't mind uh, giving our listeners a little bit of background on your role and, and how you got to Sparrow. Sure, absolutely. So I am a nurse by background, as you said, and I've really enjoyed my clinical expertise um, overlaying into my my business part of being a healthcare executive. I think that it really helps inform some of my practice and mm -hmm. makes me more relatable to a lot of the people that I work with in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So I always um, tell the nurses when they say, you know, we love, would love to have you back at the bedside. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you also want me in the boardroom? Right. <laughs> um, isn't it great to have somebody that understands uh, the tip of the spear, you know, really out there at the front line. It's also back in those boardrooms and with your um, other executives making strategic plans and budgets and forecasting. I think that that gives them a good representative at that level. Yeah. So I started an, out in healthcare very young, and I just this morning had an opportunity to sit with some new employees that were starting for the Spiral Health System, and a couple of them were brand new nurses, and mm -hmm. I was almost a little envious of this journey that they're going to go on, and they were nervous, and I just remember that sitting in uh, my very first nursing orientation as a brand new grad at 21 and taking on the role of being an oncology nurse, which is mm -hmm. a pretty weighty, weighty thing to do, a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Um, but I loved that and uh, very quickly then had an opportunity to move into home care and had some ladies in the Upper Peninsula that wanted to start a hospice, and they allowed me to do that. And mm -hmm. um, so 25, 26 years old by then into leadership and really got the bug when one of my mentors uh, explained to me the exponential impact that you can have mm -hmm. the further up the ladder, so to speak, that you go. Right. Uh, because you really are creating that stage that the rest of the, the healthcare players get to act upon. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I really got excited by that idea that the more responsibility I took, 
the bigger impact I could have on patient care, because mm-hmm. to me, it really is all about patient care. And I've moved throughout the state, mostly in some really beautiful areas, all by the water. Mm-hmm. Michigan has some beautiful areas, uh, Marquette, Petoskey, Manistee, Ludington, and then most recently took a position at uh, Charlotte, mm-hmm. the Sparrow Wheaton Hospital, which was the newest affiliate to join Sparrow health system in 2019. Mm -hmm. So I was just very pleased to come down and and take the helm at a great community hospital in the Eaton County area. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're so happy to have you. And and you mentioned, um, I love the opportunity to talk to somebody who has a clinical and non-clinical background. And I'd love for you to share sort of what your observance has been What's your observance of rural health care in the different roles that you've played? How would you define rural health care as a nurse versus a chief nursing executive versus a president of a hospital? Yeah. So for me, um, rural health care, I had a fairly unique view of that when I lived in the Upper Peninsula as a home care nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might not know that, but Marquette County is the largest county east of the Mississippi. Wow. And we covered all of that territory as a home care nurse. and. Mm-hmm. The real benefit of seeing people, as we would say in healthcare, in situ, like in their own environment, yeah. to go and see how people truly live. Um, we we talk a lot about social determinants of health now, mm-hmm. and I was cued into that very early in my career where I was seeing people that didn't have access to some of the things that I really felt would have been impactful for, for their health and wellness. And uh, in our rural communities, that is a real struggle. You know, those communities tend to be older. Mm-hmm. They tend to be less economically advantaged. They tend to be um, less educated. They have access issues for things like broadband, specialty care. So I've always felt like it's a special place to be in Mm -hmm. when when you stand between those communities and uh, getting access to some of the resources that they really need. Um, Certainly as a nurse, you're doing that Mm one-on-one. But like I said, as an administrator, that responsibility broadens out and it then becomes... How am I making access for inpatient care? How am I reaching people through telemedicine or virtual care? Right. How am I making sure that I'm providing good jobs in this community mm-hmm. for the economic benefit of the community? Right. Um, that is another thing that I've always loved to do is mm-hmm. lift up people through the healthcare ranks. I know a lot of us in healthcare say, well, we're competing with fast food places or big box stores for this talent. And I, to a, to an extent, maybe, but I think the differentiator for us and the good news story for healthcare is you can get into healthcare and it's a career path. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. I started out as a nurse's aide and now I'm a hospital president. I don't know too many people that say, you know, do you want fries with that? And then they end up being the president of that fast food place. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think we have a lot to celebrate in healthcare, and we, we probably need to open the door on that and shine a light on that to people that want to take an opportunity to come into healthcare. We will embrace you. Mm-hmm. We, will find, we will find your special talents. Right. We will find your desires, and we will, we will sculpt a position that, that allows you to shine and, mm-hmm. and give you all of the opportunity to go out there and make a difference in your community. Yeah, and I know the two of us talked about how a lot of people come by healthcare because a family member was mm-hmm. a nurse or a doctor, and that's how they kind of were engaged to pursue that career. But that wasn't the case for you, was it? 
No, my my healthcare journey did not start out like that. And that's kind of a classic question that they ask you, especially in nursing. I don't mm-hmm. know if they do that in the other disciplines, but they always ask, you know, why did you want to become a nurse? And probably 85% of the people in the class or more would say, you know, my mom was a nurse, right. my aunt was a nurse. Um, I had healthcare issues as a young person. Mm-hmm. I was just, those people are angels and I wanted to be able to do that for somebody else. And they would get to me and I would say, well, I got lost one day going to a math class. <laughs> I love that, though. I love that it's not the typical path that people take to get to healthcare. So you were, what were you, you were going for a biology degree, was it? I was a biochemistry major. That's what it was. And got lost one day going to this math class. And, you know, sometimes it really is fate. Mm-hmm. And I, I walked through the nursing department and like then is much like now, nursing shortages, sign-on bonuses, we need nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of swings back around, it seems like. Yeah. So I very objectively went home and made a list and thought about all of the things that I could do. I could live in a bigger city. I could live in a smaller city. Mm-hmm. I could work in a hospital. I could work at a school. You can be an educator. Healthcare is a very, very flexible uh, career to get into. Right. So um, I think traditionally a lot of people think that very linear healthcare, they have a vision of like a nurse and a doctor. Right. And there's like a whole village of people that work in healthcare from mm-hmm. IT to carpenters to plumbers to finance people. Right. To techs. Techs. Yeah. Marketing specialists. Mm-hmm. Um, you name it. We, we probably have that job in the hospital. Dietitians, chefs. Yep. I, the list goes on. Yeah, I love that. Well, something I find really interesting um, that I want to talk about today is that a lot of people don't have a full understanding of the role that hospitals play in their communities um, beyond like the patient provider setting. So we know hospitals are a huge driver of not only the economy, but there's the reason a lot of community programming and wellness resources exist for residents. So can you speak to some examples that are specific to Sparrow of how you're involved in the community in different areas of the economy and and sectors of business in in your communities? Yeah, this is another kind of hidden part of healthcare that I think people don't always recognize or value. Healthcare has over a half a million jobs Mm -hmm. um, that we provide in the state of Michigan. And when you look at all of the other jobs that are associated with healthcare, whether it's suppliers or um, other vendors that uh, work with us, we're over a million jobs. Right. So that's that's a ton of employment in our communities. And I know in my hospital alone at at, um, Spiral Health System, we provide over $700 million worth of employees benefits and wages. Wow. And so when you think about that, and that goes out to pay taxes. Right. That is money that's being spent at local restaurants. Mm -hmm. That's money that's buying clothing at some of our small clothing stores. So it's the same concept to me as when we say everybody's familiar with Black Friday shopping. Mm -hmm. And then in the last few years, they've started this small town um, small small, business small business shopping Saturday. Yes. (laughs) And to me, that's the same reason you would want to use your local health care. Mm. Those dollars then circulate around in your community again and again and again. Yes. Like I said, they're paying taxes at your local school. They're paying um, to go out to the local movie theater mm-hmm. or the local restaurant and tips and wages to those wait staff at those um we all love to go out to eat after a hard right. day's work. So <laughs> I I think that it is it is a bigger impact than just, you know, those 
I have around 400 people that work at the Charlotte Hospital. Mm -hmm. It's much bigger than that, though. Right. So I I always tell that story, whether I'm talking to the Chamber of Commerce or the Rotary or the Optimist Club or the Women's Club or any of them that will have me. Yeah. um, I want them to know how important that hospital is to that community. Economic vitality of community is usually lifted up Mm -hmm. by a good healthcare system and a good education system. Yeah. You're taking care of residents beyond when they're a patient in your hospital. Absolutely. The majority of our business really is outpatient. Mm -hmm. We see a vast more number of people in our physician offices, people that have to have weekly lab work. Maybe they need an x-ray or a mammogram. Mm -hmm. Very few of us spend that much time truly in a hospital bed. Right. It's really all of that other preventative care and wellness that is making the difference in our communities. Yeah. Well, that segues perfectly perfectly into my next question is, which I know you and I have talked about prior to this conversation, but I know Sparrow's involved in a lot of community programming. Um, And one area that I know you'll mention is the Alive uh, facility. So I just, I wondered if you could provide some specific examples, including the Alive facility of of how Sparrow's involved in the community and what you've seen residents um, appreciate the most uh, in terms of community benefit programming. Absolutely. So there's tons of community benefit programming. Uh, We have last year, Sparrow provided $170 million of community benefit. Wow. So that's 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 real money. $170 Mm -hmm. million is a lot of money. Yes. And some of it goes to helping people that, you know, not everybody has full insurance. Not everybody can pay for all of the care that they actually might need. Mm -hmm. But there's also things that we do in the community. community education classes. I know one of our facilities even has support groups for different things, whether it's cancer support groups. Uh, We even have an adoptive parent support group. Mm -hmm. Um, We're always looking for things like that. We're always partnering with our education institutions. A lot of those institutions that have healthcare programs would not be able to do them, whether it's Uh, Michigan State, uh, LCC, KCC, Olivet, a lot of those colleges use our healthcare institutions to do clinicals in. Mm -hmm. So they're sending their students. And yeah, we probably get a little bit of free labor out of it. But it's also uh, us giving back by teaching that next generation. One of our proudest examples, though, that I'm excited to share with you, because I'm not only the hospital president, but also the executive director, is the Alive Health and Wellness Park that we have in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. So for any of you that have never been there, it's beautiful space. It was actually an old uh, grocery store that that. um, had not been open for quite some time. So mm-hmm. a little bit of, I wouldn't maybe say blighted property, but not not functional property. Definitely wasn't returning any benefit back to the community. Right. And we took that space and have made it just a destination center. It has therapy. It has a free walking track. It has a spa. Mm-hmm. It has a workout gym. It has a children's center where if you feel guilty about working out, you can drop your kids <laughs> off and Perfect. Co- come and work out. We do, um, we have a display kitchen mm-hmm. where we're teaching some of, especially like our cardiac patients, heart healthy um, recipes. We have a community garden that mm-hmm. we call Harvest that I really love. We use it to teach a lot of the young children in the schools. Uh, I call it seed to sustenance. Yes, I love that. We're teaching them, where does your food come from? Mm -hmm. How do you make healthy choices? I think it's very important that we're intervening with some of these people 
when they're 10 years old Mm -hmm. and teaching them how to read a food label and how to be healthy and how to be active instead of waiting until they're 40 years old and having their first cardiac event. Right. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that facility sounds like it touches so many areas of wellness. And the fact that you're reaching children, I think, is so important. Have you seen, I guess, what would you say is the most popular part of the facility that you see people taking advantage of the most? Um, well, we do have an indoor pickleball court. That's quite the thing <laughs> lately. Uh, so, And there's also a climbing wall, indoor gym. There's a lot of young people that come there, and I love that, uh, the energy that's in there when you see all of these young people in there um, playing basketball together and hanging out. It just gives them a real positive and for those teenagers out there in our communities, the, these last couple of years have been so hard for them. I mean, yeah. that's really when you're developing a lot of your social connections. And, mm-hmm. man, we shut them down and we kept them in the house. And yeah. I know when I was a teenager, my parents had a hard time keeping me in the house. <laughs> so I can't imagine being locked down for two years. Yeah. So I, I think that's a big piece. And then for our more senior group, there's a lot of people. We have a free walking path. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of people that will come and, and they walk together and they're sharing community mm-hmm. and they're talking and supporting each other and the loneliness aspect of being older, living by yourself or being a little isolated, maybe in a rural community. There's been a lot of research that's shown loneliness actually has a higher impact on your health and mortality than even smoking or genetics. Yeah. So creating that space where they can come together and and feel welcomed. And I know they'll come and sit at the front door and just sit in a chair and talk to some of the staff or solve all the wor- world's problems over a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And to be that, that welcoming space for them. Um, I know we have a young gentleman that comes out there and he's been coming for quite a few years for speech therapy. Mm-hmm. And his mom actually did a video with him and... Um, He's just a fabulous young man, and he says, Alive is where everybody knows my name. Oh, yes. He showed me this video, and I'm going to include it in the description of the episode because I think everybody needs to watch it. It's it's special how you can just tell what it means to him to be a part of the community there. Um, and I remember one of the things you said to me in our conversation at Rural Advocacy Day is when you walk down the halls, you're you're seeing friends and neighbors. It's not just patients. And I think that— your involvement in the community, like that's that's where that tie is made, is outside of the hospital. You aren't exaggerating when you say that you're taking care of your neighbors and friends. Absolutely. I think that's the beauty of working in a smaller and rural space. Mm-hmm. I have worked in some larger organizations. I've worked in some smaller organizations. Mm-hmm. The one piece that I truly love about working rural, Lucy, is that connection and that um that accountability to my community. Yeah. They know me and I know them. Mm-hmm. And I love that they feel comfortable telling me what's going well and what I can do better. Yeah. And they they don't shy away from that. Right. They certainly, everybody <laughs> has an opinion. So I, I think that that's really a special thing when you you are taking care of like an old high school teacher that uh, I had in cardiac rehab. And because he was in cardiac rehab, he was strong enough to be able to get a heart transplant. And his wife came and told me that, that how important it was that if he wouldn't have had cardiac rehab, if he wouldn't have been encouraged and continued with that, he wouldn't have been strong enough 
and she had tears coming down her face yeah. as she stopped me at the bank right. and told me her, her whole story. Yeah. But, um, you know, this was a man that was one of my high school teachers and, wow. and gave so much to me as a young girl. Yeah. And for me to be able to do something life-changing and special for him and his family, mm-hmm. um, that's what community is about. That's yeah. what community means. Absolutely. I love that story. That's incredible. And I'm sure that there are many situations where, you know, you'll be at the grocery store, you'll be, like you said, at the bank, and you're, and you're running into these people that you're caring for, and it probably is so validating to what you do in the mission of, of Sparrow Eaton Hospital. I think it probably is the same way for your healthcare staff too, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I do hear that from from my staff. And a lot of the, the calls and the letters that I get are about the staff because for the most part now, Lucy, I really am behind the scenes. Right. <laughs> um, it, it really is, you know, um, Warren who works in the ED or Andy who works on med surge mm-hmm. or Jenna who works in cardiac rehab. And the the community love them mm-hmm. because they know that they're they work with their heart yeah. and they're there to uh, not only take care of the physical needs of of these patients and their families, but also the emotional worries that they have and the stress that's been on so many people for so long. Yeah. Um, like I said, I had a, the benefit of doing home care for a long time. And when we see people in the hospital, it's it's a slice in time. Right. It's very episodic. Mm-hmm. And to take those couple of extra moments to figure out what are the impediments to staying on this medication? Yeah. You know, what are the impediments to, some people don't even have access to healthy, nutritious food. Mm -hmm. And if we can figure that out and make that connection for them in a way that still feels respectful and dignified to them, Mm -hmm. they're much more willing to follow those discharge instructions if they think that those were created with an intention of care. Right. Absolutely. And that connection piece and and the validation that you are receiving from your residents, even if you are only with them for a short time, but then you run into them in in the community, do you think that's what keeps healthcare staff working in rural America and rural Michigan specifically? Do you think that's a really big part of of the retention side of it? Absolutely. It is soul work. It is heart work. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the catch-22. I mean, you're not anonymous, but you're not anonymous. (laughs) So um, there there really is a true accountability that you have to the the care that you're providing. Mm -hmm. And any time that I'm with new caregivers as they're starting, for sometimes when I talk to the people, it it might be their very first job Mm -hmm. or it might be their very first job in healthcare. Right. And there's a different level of responsibility that I feel when I'm entrusted with the health of someone. Mm. And I will say, you know, whether you work in IT and you're in the basement and you try to stay behind the computer or... You are uh, working dietary or or you really are that nurse at the tip of the spear. People in the community will say, I was at your hospital because they associate you with that hospital. Yep. And you always want the next thing to say, and it was wonderful. Yeah. It was great. They took good, such good care of me. Yeah. And you empower your—I remember you saying you empower your staff to— think of themselves that way. They're a piece of, of Sparrow Eaton when they're not there even. Absolutely. We are always ambassadors of of that brand. And, and I always want it to be a good thing to say that I work in healthcare. You know, nursing for decades has been one of the most trusted professions. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a pride that goes with that, but there's a responsibility and accountability that goes with that also. There's a reason 
nursing is one of the most trusted professions. Right. Absolutely. Well, I was going to ask this later, but it feels like a fitting time to ask you what would be, I I think I asked the same thing to Dr. Ramsey, what would be your elevator pitch for working um, in rural America or rural Michigan in a rural hospital? So if you really want to make a difference, you really want to help people, if you are of that mindset where I can come to work today and it will be a labor Mm -hmm. of love and not just work, because there's a difference between work and labor. And the, the gift that comes out of you, whether it's coming from your hands or your heart or your mouth, wherever that gift might be coming from, you are going to make a difference with your neighbors and you're going to improve your community. Yeah, I love that. I love that answer. Well, to switch gears a little bit, I, I do want to touch base on what you would say are some of the barriers that rural communities are still facing that impact their access to health care. I know we touched on, you know, the pandemic and how things have been since that. And, you know, our healthcare workers are still facing a lot of the repercussions of the pandemic. So where are things at in terms of um, I know you touched on the health disparities that affect people and, and the uh, social determinants of health. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are those for rural communities right now? Yeah, rural communities, I think, still are struggling uh, just as much as some of our urban counterparts. And the the piece that I think is a struggle the most for the rural areas is People still have this view of rural that um, it's so isolated and, and you couldn't really live there and it's so far to get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not that far. Right. Rural <laughs> is not really that far. And and I always say to some of my urban counterparts, how long do you wait in traffic? Mm. You know, how many lights are you sitting behind? Good question. My only traffic is, you know, maybe a deer, a random deer <laughs> that might run across in front of me. Or a horse-drawn carriage. Yeah, or something <laughs> small like that. Um, but it's definitely... Um, I mean, to take it from the governor, I mean, the roads sometimes in our rural communities are are an issue. Mm-hmm. We still struggle with that, with transportation, where it's hard for people sometimes to even get into jobs because maybe they don't have a vehicle or the transportation is not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, broadband is another big issue in our communities. Broadband, to me, is a, a become a basic utility. Right. Because through the pandemic, we saw that a lot of healthcare was trying to lean on the backbone of broadband, yep. as was uh, education, mm-hmm. and as were many of our employers. I mean, how many of us were like working from home? Right. Not many of us in healthcare, but a lot of other <laughs> people were. So that put a strain upon some of our rural communities where you might not have access to high-speed spe- high internet or mm-hmm. broadband. So you can really get left behind on healthcare opportunities education opportunities, employment opportunities. Right. So to me, that is that is definitely a big priority. And there's some, I know there's a lot of funding, the USDA grants and different things like that. So I try to get involved with those as much as I can. Um, recruitment continues to be a tough, a tough sell out in the, in the rural communities. I think once people come out there and they experience it, mm-hmm. They're like, this is wonderful. Yeah. Um, I love this. I mean, like the cost of living is less. I don't have, like I said, you don't have to fight traffic. Right. You can park next to the door, be next in line. Yeah. Um, But there's still a bit of a stigma, I think, around living in rural communities that if you were really going to make it, you're going to move to the city. Oh, that's interesting. And it's like, eh. Maybe. Yeah, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Yeah. What have you seen as a successful way to recruit people? Is it getting your other healthcare staff to, 
to recruit people they know? Is it going and being on site in colleges and really painting a picture in person? I imagine it has to be kind of those testimonials that help you the most. Well, it's at this point in healthcare recruitment, it's every every lever you can find. You pull it as many times as you can until the little treat falls down, right? right? So we're all out there scrambling and looking for for staff. where I am at in Charlotte, I'm I'm pretty lucky. We're not that far from Lansing. We're only about 20 miles south of the capital. So it's a pretty easy shot down there. Mm-hmm. I also have some really fabulous nursing leaders and other clinical leaders that are adjunct faculty. Mm. So they're out um, teaching some of that that next generation. Yeah, It also gives them an opportunity to meet some of those people to figure out who's going to fit with our culture. Right. Who's And I always say to them, who's your best student? That's who we want. <laughs> Find you the best and the brightest and bring them out here. Right. Um, and a lot of it is really getting people on site to see that it's not that far. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that far to drive there. Um, and we've had s- some pretty good success with that. So it's, uh, again... I just did new employee orientation this morning and met some people, and it was their very first job in healthcare. Wow. And they were really excited. Yeah. I imagine it's comforting to talk to somebody like you who's in leadership but knows exactly how they feel. Yeah. And to tell them, you know, I walked that same path that I was 18 years old and started out as a nurse's aide. And this is a healthcare podcast, so I'd never even seen a urinal before. Right. I didn't even know what that was. Um, And here I am a hospital president now. Yeah. So, you know, we will we will teach you. We will help you. We will um, give you education. We will allow you to job shadow if there's something you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's out of your out of your previous experience. Like I said, I had nobody in my family that was in healthcare. Yeah. And I've grown some nurses and therapists myself. Mm-hmm. Um I used to be a Girl Scout leader and uh, for seven years. Wow. And the majority of my troop, which are now young ladies, um, <laughs> are almost all in healthcare. Wow. Were you able to convince your own children? Uh, one of them. So I had a 50% <laughs> success rate. Yeah. Uh, my That's daughter, good. Yeah, my daughter is a, a pharmacy student right now at University of Michigan. But multiple of those young ladies... I gave opportunities to job shadow, Mm -hmm. encouraged them, wrote letters of recommendation for them. Um, And I think that's what healthcare has to do. We've been pretty lucky previous to the pandemic where people were looking to get into healthcare. It was a real desirable job. Mm -hmm. It was very stable. Um, Pandemic really knocked us back on our heels. And people were like, wow, that's a scary place. There's like harsh stuff that happens there. And I don't know if I want to do that. Like it's it's going to cost me a lot emotionally to be part of that. Mm-hmm. I think the cool story, though, is you get so much back. Yeah, and especially you, in rural communities. Yes, and, and telling that story, though, to people like, don't be afraid. Like, don't be afraid to come into healthcare because the tough stuff that you have to go through, there's going to be people like me and other nurses and other clinicians or dietitians or doctors that are going to hold your hand and tell you, yeah, I've been there and I did that, too. Yeah. And this is how I got through it. Yeah, that has to make all the difference. I mean, everybody needs mentors. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what industry you're in. But I think when you're going into something that you're just kind of bracing yourself, especially now, it's like people look at healthcare as like, what is the worst possible thing that could happen now that we've had a pandemic? You are kind of... Another pandemic. Right. Like you (laughs) would naturally probably catastrophize what could happen. You have these... 
this group and this community of people saying, we're here and we're with you and we're all going to get through this together. And I think I mentioned it in the last interview. There, I'm sure, have been many people who left healthcare. We know that oh, statistically, yes. um, whether it was retirement or other reasons. Uh, but th- there has probably been just as many people who have felt recommitted to their healthcare career and, and more inspired to keep going or, you know, start healthcare. Absolutely. And I, I think it was very similar to almost how we saw the military ranks swell after 9-11. I think a lot of people were drawn to my community needs me, my country needs me. I I'm gonna go and be a nurse or I'm gonna be a phlebotomist. Like I I have to do something. Yeah. Um I know one of my counterparts who was the president at the Spiro Clinton Hospital was all set to retire and the pandemic hit. And her family was very frustrated with her. Um, She was definitely, you know, of an age. And I'm sure she probably had some health risk factors. Uh, And she said, I can't leave. I can't abandon my post when this happened. She's like, this is one of the most impactful health events that's going to happen in the last hundred years. And with all of my knowledge and experience, how could I step away? Yeah. Wow. I love that. I mean, that that is the perfect example there are probably so many people in that position who yes. just thought, I can't go. Yeah. Wow. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I, th- I think that that covers a lot of the things I wanted to talk to you about. But And you answered the last question I had for you. But if there's anything you'd like to add um, about what you value the most about serving rural communities, I think you've given some great examples of why. But if there's anything you, you'd add there, I'd love to hear. Yeah, I think for me, serving in a rural community – is really about taking care of friends and family and and being an inspiration to some of those people that are going to come behind you. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's not only the care that I'm providing to the patients, but then also lifting up that next generation of healthcare workers. And I've had the, I've had the pleasure and the privilege of being a mentor mm-hmm. to a lot of young people. And actually three of my nieces now are oh. nurses. And I love that. I feel like I've started that tradition in my family mm-hmm. where now they can say when they're asked in nursing school, I'm a nurse because my Aunt Helen was a nurse. That's amazing. Are they all going to choose rural, I hope? <laughs> I hope so. Um, one of them, yeah, one of them works in the Fremont area, which is rural. Mm-hmm. One of them works in Alma, which is still relatively rural. Yeah. And I'm super proud of her. She is a oncology nurse practitioner. Wow, she really followed your she, footsteps. She really went for it. Yeah. Her, um, her dad, my brother, died when he was young. So, wow, I'm so um, sorry. In oncology, mm-hmm. cancer issue. So she really took that to heart. And um, I'm just super proud of her. And then I have another niece who's in Florida who's uh, finishing up nursing school. So like I said, I'm hoping I'm starting a new tradition in my family. Yeah, you got to get her back to Michigan. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I yeah. would hire any of those girls. I know they're hard workers. Yeah, I feel like once you're in Florida, though, maybe you won't compromise for our winters again. But Florida's got some crazy weather down there. That's true. That is true. We know that from the, the hurricane this past season. So, well, I hope she comes back for your sake. Yeah. It would be very cool if you could tell the story. If she, she came back to Sparrow Eaton especially, that would be amazing. Well, that's all the questions I had for you. I do want to make sure our listeners know where they can go to find out more about Sparrow Eaton Hospital. So is there a website that we can visit if we were maybe interested in careers or just opportunities? Or Yeah, absolutely. Just very simple, www.sparrow.org. 
and all of our hospitals and sites of care are listed on there. The Alive Center is listed on there. I was just going to ask, yes. And there's a careers page that you can check that out. And we're always hiring. We have multiple openings. And I'd love to see some new faces down there in Charlotte. Perfect. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, Helen. We really appreciate, you know, you're very busy. And and the fact that you came on site, we appreciate it so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. With that, I'd like to thank our listeners and encourage everyone to stay tuned for more conversations around rural health care and other key topics in the months to come. We will provide both those uh, links in the website to the video that I mentioned and then also to the Sparrow Eaton Hospital website. Thanks and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the My Care Champion Cast. To learn more or get involved, visit MHA.org. 